Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast, CWT for short, Christians with Torah. I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick. Hey, Pastor Nick, how you doing? Doing great. Yeah. Glad to be here? I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> what it's, a... uh, it's Purim. It is. Chag Purim Sameach. That's uh, Purim, yeah. Happy Purim holiday. 13th of Adar. It is true. Um, man, let me just say, uh, the reviews are in, and it is two thumbs up for Esther the Musical. Uh, what an awesome experience we had on Sunday night with Esther the Musical, just from, you know, out front, where, like, as you're coming in, you walk in, and you're, like, in the palace, you're in Persia, and, uh, and then the play itself, man, the songs and just the actors everybody you know plays their part and just does a great job and, you know it's funny because when you're here and you know you see practices and you hear this and you hear that and all the little things the details that are going on but then when uh, the lord just puts his hand of favor on it and blesses it uh man we are just so thankful for how it went uh for josiah and the whole crew all the actors and actresses that just worked in it the cast um obviously the crew as well uh you know all the people doing the props and the setup and all of that kind of stuff man it was just an awesome evening and the best part about it is we get to do it again on thursday night and so that's right if you are listening to this uh on tuesday or wednesday and you have not gotten your tickets yet um we are uh, almost sold out so we've got probably i want to say 50 seats left or something along those lines and so uh, make sure you go to eventbrite.com and look up Esther the Musical. Eventbrite.com and uh, search on that site for Esther the Musical. Get your tickets. They're only five bucks a piece. And let me just tell you, it is it is a it is a fifty dollar ticket. I mean, it is an awesome experience when you come here. Um, and uh, and just to the fact that you know uh, it's just our our congregation members and Josiah uh, who's directing and writing the the script and everything. It's it's a very 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 impressive place. So I recommend that if you did not get your chance to see it on Sunday night, that you do get your tickets and come on Thursday. Now, for those of you who are not here in our local community in Brandon or in an area where you can drive uh, to get here, then uh, we will be uh, having a DVD version of it that we will be uh, having for sale. Uh, obviously, that needs to be edited and spliced up and all that kind of stuff, um, but they did film it uh, on Sunday night, and I don't know you know, what the story is with Thursday night, but I can tell you that it will be available for sale. Absolutely. And that um, you know, for those of you that feel like you missed out, you can jump in there and get it. So um, that's how we're celebrating Perm this year with Esther the Musical. And let me just tell you, anti-Semitism is on the run. That's all I can say about that. So, um, all right. We are studying the Torah portion, Ki Tisa, which is when you elevate. Uh, and this is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 30 and verse 11, and ends in uh, chapter 34 and verse 35. Excellent. You know, we're continuing to uh, use the pattern that was given to Moses to build this incredible structure. That's why the local church is really so important. It, it is, of course, modeled after those uh, pattern uh, patterns given to Moses. 
Also, if you'll think about the Tabernacle of Moses, and then, of course, you go into the, uh, the Temple of Solomon, uh, and then we even can discuss later on the, uh, the fallen booth of David, or David's Tabernacle. Very interesting. But we uh, have right here, it's a tax for the tent. Uh, the amount for the ransom of, for each soul among the children of Israel was half a shekel. And, of course, the age requirement to give an offering to the Lord was 20 years old and above. Once again, if you want to think about the population of Israel while they were in Egypt, all it kind of really tells you is the fact that uh, all the men counted 20 years and up was over 600,000 that left. So if you think about their wives and their children, you can easily come up with two or two and a half million people easily. Uh, now, the atonement money was used for the service of the tabernacle. Okay, so the, the atonement money was used for the service of of the tabernacle. Any thoughts on the tax for the tent, Ryan, since you are into commerce as well? I am. Well, I thought a couple interesting things here, right? It was a, a shekel or a half shekel, I'm sorry. And this is a, a weight of 20 gera. So when you're thinking of a half shekel coin, um, you know, later on in Israel's history, it becomes the half shekel coin. Uh, but at this point in Israel's history, this is a weight uh, measurement of the silver that they're bringing uh, to to the, the temple for the, for the, um, for the offering. The other thing is that uh, there's three classes of people we know, right? There's the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Good point. There is the outer court, inner court, and holy of holies. But in this and case, the ark was three levels. That, that's right. Yeah. In this case, there are there is no distinction made for the differentiation of people. There's no distinction between the the poor, the middle class. That's and the rich. right. Everybody brings a half shekel. Why? Because every soul is Everybody. valuable. That's well. You actually have one right here. Look at yes, that. I have a half shekel. He does. He has a 70th anniversary one, uh, an Israel commemorative coin. It from... was restored by the Temple Institute in the year 2000, which is pretty cool. Wow, the holy half shekel. Yeah, very interesting. So, um, I look at you making me lose my train of thought. Where was I? Right in front of us. So, so the. Um, Anyways, the, the, it says that it's made for an atonement, right? Good. And so every soul has value, right? That's Poor, good. middle class, or rich. And so the, the cost that you bring, that offering, uh, is supposed to be something that anybody could bring, right? Anybody should be That's able to good. bring their half shekel to the Lord. That's awesome. You know, so just think, a tax for the tent, you know? And uh, even Paul says in the New Testament, pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. You know, it's interesting that, uh, uh, matter of fact, this just reminded me, uh, remember about the temple tax? Yeah. Peter was talking about it. And Yeshua says, hey, listen, go, you'll catch this fish, you'll find it in the fish's mouth. So he did it supernaturally, Yeah. but he didn't disregard that there was a, a tax. Yeah. You know, And Matthew was a tax collector, the Gospel of Matthew. He sure was. And he followed Yeshua. So don't be so hard on the IRS. <laughs> well, it's a separate know. institution, <laughs> I know. But, but once again, I just want to encourage you, you know, so many times we want to, fight the government or fight things. But, you know, Yeshua came alongside and he obeyed uh, the laws of the land to some degree. I mean, to that effect. But, you know, don't don't fight the tax thing. You know, it's just not worth it. It, it really isn't. Uh, so we're moving on to the sixth piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was the laver of brass, the final piece of the tabernacle furniture. A laver of brass. Uh, and, of course, the water was to be put in the labor for Aaron and his sons to wash their hands and feet. Uh, this, of course, was used from the women's mirrors. So, once again, it's brass. It's, it's in the outer court. Uh, you have the uh, entrance to the east. You have the altar uh, for burnt offerings. 
Uh, and then, of course, you have the laver. Uh, once again, the outer court is exposed to the elements. And so we want to go deeper with God, kind of like the three branches of government. We want to go deeper with God. Uh, and so we pull back the curtain and we go into the inner court. And then, of course, you have the Holy of Holies, which would represent the throne. So right away, this thing is going into some order here. Uh, the five ingredients that made up the anointing oil was myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil. So myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil. And the priests were commanded to anoint the tabernacle and themselves. Once again, why are they going to anoint something? To set it apart. You know, there's religious and then there's secular. Uh, once again, secular is not bad in of itself, but it's not religious. Remember that. It's not associated with the church. I always try to share this with some people. They think everything secular is bad, but it's not true. Like, what is the example you always give? Row, like, row, 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 your row, boat. row your boat. <laughs> what an example. Gently down the stream. Uh, is a secular song. Now... If you say, Michael rode the boat ashore, hallelujah, now you have a song that's religious. Ah. So you see the distinction there? Yeah. So don't think everything secular is bad. So just keep that in and mind. And I guess don't ever think that everything religious is good. The, well, yeah, that's true too. Right. Uh, the priests were not allowed to make something like the anointing oil or put it on a stranger. Okay. So uh, this is kind of interesting uh, because once again, uh, we do have uh, anointing oil that we use in religious circles. I have anointing oil, but it's not made with those ingredients. It doesn't. It's not made just like that. We didn't take that recipe and make it yeah. for our own personal use. But the concept of of anointing someone or even a small child in a dedication is setting them apart, and that's the principle. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. So everybody wants to fight about well, you can't make it or this or that. But once again, I, I have anointing oil, and uh, and I believe in anointing people and setting them apart. It's pretty powerful. Uh, and so with that, we move on to, of course, the incense. And there's four ingredients that make up the incense. Uh, Stockti, uh, Annika, Galbanum, and frankincense. Okay, So those four ingredients actually make up the incense. And, and of course, you cannot duplicate that as well. A lot of you are familiar with incense. I think that's been hijacked. People do incense in their house or aromatherapy, but uh, once again, it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish or do. Like lavender's okay. Um, I like cedarwood and hyssop together. That's like a smell you would have smelt in the temple. So just remember that uh, people want to associate all this with like new age. Yeah. But it's not. So uh, anyone who made the anointing oil or the incense for personal use would be cut off from his people. Remember, it's for God's purpose, okay? And so that's what we're seeing uh, in that regard. Oh, yeah. Well, and, um, you know, it's cool. We had Pastor Russell in our group last night, and we were talking about this. And, and I actually, when I was in Israel just recently, I, I purchased um, from the Temple Institute uh, some spices from there. Uh, I would venture to say that it probably was not the same exact mixture. Um, right. But um, that we use it for the Havdalah uh, at the house. But... Uh, Pastor Russell was talking about how he went and he looked up the meaning of these um, of these different you know spices and uh, the stacti means to distill uh, the anica uh, refers to wisdom the galbanum is uh, it helps with digestion it helps you know you to internalize things and then the frankincense represents kingship and uh, with all of those pieces together he came up with you know the 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 incense right they they help you distill wisdom. To internalize the kingship of God, because you're going to smell it, right? Well, and and, yeah. and so that smell, and you know, they say that that smell, you could know, you knew a Jerusalemite. It's going to saturate 
Everything. Inside the inner court. I was in a restaurant yesterday. And you know how some restaurants you go to and they smell nice and then other restaurants you go to and like, you know, I'm going to smell like this for a week. So I was in one of those, I'm going to smell like this for a week restaurants. Well, they say that when the temple service was in effect in Jerusalem, that people would know that you were Jerusalemite. If you were, say, you're in a different province, they'd be like, wow, you smell like Jerusalem. That's interesting. It is. Yeah, because like cedarwood and hyssop is definitely one of the aromas or the smells, fragrances that you would actually get out of that. Yeah. But very interesting, you know. Uh, and so once again, God is uh, giving this pattern to Moses. And so I want to encourage all of you that we talk about heaven on earth. Well, you're, you're looking at it right now in the tabernacle of Moses. Uh, this pattern is found in heaven. So this is kind of cool. Uh, stick to the pattern. You know, we got this saying, don't reinvent the wheel. Something's already been created for us. So you can find everything from this tabernacle, even where are you in the tabernacle, you know. Uh, and a lot of us are outside the tabernacle. But now we're going to get into some personnel, some, some literally some great craftsmen, some people here. Uh, the two builders that the Lord called to build the tabernacle were uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan. Uh, so once again, Bezalel means in the shadow or protection of God. What a great name. In the shadow or protection of God. That's what Bezalel, Bezalel's name means. Uh, Aholiab means father's tent. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh, and so once again, uh, Bezalel dealt with the tabernacle furniture. He was a craftsman. And then, of course, I, I, we could go into great... Uh, in-depth study on this, but of course, Aholiab dealt with tapestry. He also did carpentry, uh, weaving, and embroidery. Remember, cherubs were sewn onto the curtains, right? Because he created the cherubim, which is plural for cherubs. So Satan was a cherub. Mm. So God is very partial. He loves his little cherubs, you know. And, oh, and, you and, and so remember, cherubs. there were two of them outside the uh, the the the. the the Garden of Eden there with flaming swords to keep them out. I was going to say, something tells me that these are not chubby little baby-looking so, angels. you know, and I was telling Ryan earlier before we started recording this, that there's a lot of principles in here, but there's also a template or some patterns that yeah. we can follow. So just think about the order of these things and break it up, you know. So once again, let's just stop and think about it. So we have this, uh, we have this half a shekel. Once again, you don't have to give half a shekel. Well, then you won't have the atonement money, right? Um, there's also the labor of brass that's mentioned. Uh, we have the ingredients that make up the anointing oil, the five ingredients uh, about anointing and, of course, incense. We have four ingredients as well. We're moving on into some great things here with uh, detailed uh, two personnel that were very talented coming out of Egypt to help build this beautiful tabernacle by name. Uh, and it says that Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. How cool is that? You know, my, uh, I, I call him my stepfather-in-law, Timothy Colbell. He is a, he is a craftsman. I mean, he's, a, I believe, a, a pipe fitter by trade, retired. But, man, he can, he's a handyman. He can really fix things. I mean, it's like you look at it and you're like... Wow, he put a lot of work into that. Yeah. That's really detailed. Both him and Pete Wernarski, they actually put the coverings back over the uh, at the fellowship hall over the entranceways, you know, the, the, the covering there, the, the two porches. Outstanding work. I mean, just great craftsmen. I mean, I'm impressed, you know. And so once again, we have this all coming down the pike here. And then God throws in, of course, uh, the Sabbath uh, was a sign uh, between the Lord and the children of Israel. 
Yeah. So you've got all this work going on. You got all these things of God, but now here comes the Sabbath, you know. And so once again, uh, which is very interesting because what is the sign of the Mosaic Covenant? It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. Right. So why don't you read Exodus 31, 18, Ryan, because what goes along with the Sabbath but the Mosaic Covenant. So check this out. This is going to follow right along with 17 and the Sabbath, as far as that verse goes. That's right. He says here in verse 18 of uh, chapter 31, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of the testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Wow. So if you're celebrating Shabbat, it's because you're having Torah on your minds and your hearts. Right. Now we know we have the Seventh-day Adventists, but there's actually uh, Baptist Adventists that celebrate the, sh- the Sabbath. Seventh-day Baptists. Seventh-day Baptists, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, you can actually study it for yourself. So, And it was before the Seventh-day Baptists, or Seventh-day Adventists. Right. So why am I sharing this? Because Sabbath is making a comeback. It's very interesting. Because it is the sign of the Mosaic Covenant. He's writing Torah on minds and hearts, and now all this stuff is happening. It's going down. This is really cool. Now a great transition is about ready to happen, Ryan. For sure. You so, know, and so you have you have uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. How cool would it be to get your name in there as like having the Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God is upon these wow. guys, and that it is through the Spirit of God that they're able to do what they do. Now, just imagine if, if all of us, our focus was doing things through the Spirit of God, how much better we would be at whatever it is that we do. Amen? You know, right. praying that God, you know, um, you know, there's a, is it in the Psalms or is it in Isaiah that uh, Jerusalem, if I, oh, if Jerusalem, if I forget you, let me my right hand, forget its cunning. Yeah. Or forget its skill. Right. You know, things like that, that, um, you know, they're doing these things for, for God and for his name and things like that. And, and then it busts out here, right, that the Sabbath is a sign. And what is it a sign of? It's a sign of the testimony, right? He gives them the testimony right there. So it's like boom, 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 right? He fills with the Spirit these guys to build these things yeah. on, on God's behalf. Because what are they building? They're building the things that are going to hold the right. testimony. That's right. That's where, where God can dwell. Amen. Because it's, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And so it's, what, and, what a great... what a great. Uh, and these tablets, right? They're on stone. And why... Written with the finger of God. But why stone? You know? Is, is that written in stone? <laughs> As a matter of fact, yeah, it is written well, with the finger of God. You know, when you think about it, if you write something in stone, how do you change it, right? I mean, you would have to literally just break that stone and start over in order for it to be you some know, continuous work. Ryan, this is the progressive revelation of God's Torah. Uh, first of all, it was giving it was given verbally, the oral Torah. Yeah, you know, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that was their commandment. They did real good. No, they didn't. So God says, I'll give you 613 commandments. (laughs) So why do I share the oral Torah? Because it's true. But then again, we go into what? The stone tablets. Right. And then we go into the parchment, which is the uh, written on the the belly of the lambs, uh, the parchment. And then last but not least, what is he doing? The fourth and final uh, progressive revelation of his Torah. He's writing it on minds and hearts. Now, he's writing it on your mind and your heart so you can differentiate the two areas. Uh, the heart is how you work it out. The mind is the knowledge. So you have to have a heart for the Torah, literally, if he's writing it on your heart. So let's get into now the golden calf. Now we're going to have a, hit a little bump in the road here, a speed bump. Uh, and Ryan's going to read Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 8. And the title is The Golden Calf. Oh. What a tragedy. How sad is it that we this go is from a tragedy. such cool we're, things to this? So verses 1 through 8. 
and this is, you know, the pattern you mentioned, right? This is, this is part of that pattern, right? That God makes covenant. And then what do we do here? You know, it's like he gives us these instructions. We're moving along and then we go back to our old ways or we get sidetracked. Right. Oh, I can Well, because he gives us so much. And then what do we do when we get complacent? We, we, we do stupid stuff. All right. Here we go. All right. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods, which shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off their golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it, uh, with a graving tool uh, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou bring, uh, broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, and have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Man, this just makes you want to move over not get struck so by lightning. Moses is gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's up on the mountain. He didn't eat or drink. He's getting he's getting the tablets, and so he's in the presence of God. You know, you probably lose all sense of time because you're you're in His presence or whatever's happening. You're in that that state of mind, but uh, spiritual state of mind. But so once again, you know, uh, the people are wondering, hey, what's going on here? You know, Aleph Beta does a great job. It's an Orthodox site that, that does the Torah in little videos, cartoons, like very interesting or animated. But anyway. To make a long story short, you know, the people kind of looked up to Moses as like a god, you know, and then Aaron would be like speaking for, for Moses, who was like, they, they, they likened him to even like a god to some degree, you know, because of his uh, capabilities, because that's the mindset that they were under the slave mentality as well. But they said, hey, you know what? Uh, Moses delays coming down from the mountain. Uh, can you make gods? They didn't know what happened to Moses. Yeah. You know, and so, so. Because of the, you know, it's like taking advantage of the substitute teacher in class. Yeah, well, they're seeing thunderings and lightnings and stuff. On the, so, on the so, so Aaron asked for all the golden earrings for the people and made a molten calf. Now, they're familiar with the calf. Oof. You're going to see they're really familiar with the calf yeah. when Jeroboam begins his reign in the northern kingdom. Oof. He sets up two golden calves in Bethel and in Dan. Uh, so once again, a very powerful, powerful uh, idol. Uh, so Aaron built an altar before the golden calf and proclaimed, "Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord." So That's you know, to Yahweh, right? Yeah, right. So the thing is, they're using the golden calf, you know, to worship God, which is an idol. So they're transferring power to this golden calf mm-hmm. that they're making. You know, it's interesting. You know, I love what John Bevere says. You know, what is an idol? It's real simple. It's whatever you give your strength to, or wherever you get your strength from. Uh, but it goes on to say in Exodus 32, verse 6, And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. So they've got this golden calf. They've given 
these, these burnt offerings, which are totally consumed. But now they're like, man, now let's have a barbecue because the peace offerings we get to eat. And you're going to discover that when we get into Leviticus, which is my favorite book. We're going to go over those sacrifices. Yes, Leviticus. Oh, and how relevant it is. Remember, you got Genesis and Exodus, then Leviticus, the, the meat of the Torah. Mm-hmm. And then you got And it Numbers does give lessons on and, barbecue. And Deuteronomy. This right? is true. And imagine the smell. So as, as the story develops, the Lord told Moses he was angry with the people for making a molten calf to worship. So Moses interceded for the people when the Lord wanted to destroy them. I love that. As a leader, we must always intercede for the people. The people are going to say things and do things to you and in the congregation, and not to say that you allow it, but you have to intercede for the people. Now, this is very interesting. When Moses came down with the two uh, tables of the testimony, Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted and said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Yeah. So this is an example of great discipleship. Uh, Joshua was a disciple of Moses. And, and what tribe is Joshua from but Ephraim? So he's attached to Levi, the, 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 the tribe of Levi, through Moses. But he says, there is a noise of war in the camp. So I want you to get this picture. The whole time Moses is up on the mountain, Ryan, Joshua's at the base of the mountain waiting for him. That's He doesn't even know what's going on in awesome. the camp because he's so faithful. Right. My master said to wait here. I'll be May back. we all be and he didn't Joshua. leaving. What if the story develops where Moses says, "Where were you, Joshua? Well, you didn't come down, so I went back to the camp." Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. There's also another verse mm-hmm. in there which is kind of interesting because here he is outside the camp, waiting for his master, waiting for the teacher, the you know Moses, the deliverer. Uh, there's there's one verse that says that he would never leave the tabernacle. He was always in the tabernacle. It says that he was in it, yeah, yeah, continually. It's in so, this portion, yeah. So when Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and dancing. He was so angry that he broke the two tables of the testimony. You know, Moses is the only person who broke all of the commandments at the same time. At the same time, yeah, boom. Just like that. So now there's going to be a recourse. Now he's, he's thinking, okay, what are we going to do with this thing? So Moses made the people uh, take the golden calf, grind it to powder, and strewed it upon the water. But he made the children of Israel drink of it. Yeah. I want to show you what your God's made of. He's made of minerals. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot here. Um, you know, as we go, when you look here at, um, you know, Moses interceding, and we all want to think that we would be interceding in this manner for the people, right? Um, God says here, he says, Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. So basically he's going to start over with Moses, right? Because Moses is, is faithful to him, and the people are not, which is unfortunate. Why don't you continue on with, with Aaron's excuse and then work your way down like you were sharing those thoughts on yeah. the outline. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, because I know what you're saying. You're, you're talking about, because we didn't get to that yet. Hey, I'll make of you a people. No, it's right here. It's in this, this, right here. It's on the last page right here. Boom, 11 through 13 on page two. Page two? Yep. And so it says, And then Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, ah, why doth the, the, thy wrath uh, wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? I see. Gotcha. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did we bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give 
unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do. Isn't that neat to know God's plan and promises and covenants and just tell it back to him? Hey, you know, Lord. This is a template. This is a pattern. And we could do the same thing. We discover things. Exactly right. The Lord, you said. That's right. Wow, that's That's right. And you know what? This is like uh, anything else that happens to us, right? But when we're interceding, this is a template for intercession. Hey, God, these are your people. And remember your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Israel that you promised all of these things. It would be against your name. It would be the defamation of your name if these people were to die here. You know, it's interesting. I watch what I promise my children. Like okay. if I make commitments or something, <laughs> oh, yeah. I always, I mean, I think I got a good track record. Yeah. And my kids will always say to me, well, daddy, you said, and you're a man of your word. So they know that's in them. Yeah. But talking about this intercession part, go ahead and share yeah. Ryan about oh, uh, he takes Aaron, it to Aaron's another excuse level. And, and, and share with that. Yeah. So he takes it to a whole nother level now, but here, <laughs> here, here it goes. It says, um, you know, uh, right after he makes the children of Israel drink it. Now, what does this remind you of? Taking the gold, making it into a powder, and then making the people drink it. Where, what does this remind you of later that we find in the Torah? Are you Torah? going to the Numbers, Book of Numbers? I am. The Law of Jealousy? Exactly. Oh. So how interesting that, you know, God is saying, all right, so we're going to prove who it is that's involved in this. We're going to, because what is this? Essentially, when we turn ourselves away and we go whoring ourselves out to other gods, it's adultery. Right, we've promised right here back in Exodus 19 that all that you say we will do. We marry God. We we enter into covenant with God, and then Moses disappears for a little while. And what do we do? We whore ourselves out. We commit adultery. So now the law of jealousy is in effect. Now God says, "Hey, grind up that 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 uh, uh, idol into a powder. Put it into the water. Make the people drink it. And this way, he can find out who's involved in this in this scheme." And so Aaron's excuse. Uh, for making the golden calf, was that he threw the gold into the fire, and it came out a calf. Now, we know right here in these other verses we read in 1 through 8, that it says that they used a graving tool in verse 4. It says right. that, that, and they received them so at their hand and a, fashioned it with a graving tool. like, come on, Aaron. Well, right. We, well, we know, it's, we know somebody engraved it. It was, I mean, maybe Aaron right. threw it in the fire and walked away. I don't know. You know, because that's it's just me trying to give him the benefit like, of the yeah, doubt. That's good. You know? But when Moses asked, who is on the Lord's side, all the sons of Levi came to him. So the Levites jumped in. Now 3,000 men were killed by the children of Levi because of the golden calf worship. So God's people rise up, and what do they do? They cull the herd. They eliminate the people that are turning against them. Because why? Because everyone else's lives are at stake if they do not get the, the sin out. And so the next morning, Moses said to the people, ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And that's verse 30. Now, um, verses 32 through 33, this is where, you know, back here in verses 11 through 13, we thought that Moses was really, really a, a good guy, right? He declines for God to say, to give, to start over with him. Because that could be a good, you know, little temptation. Oh, you know what? You're right. The intercession is going to go deeper. It does. It yeah. takes it to the next level. And so I he, know. Wow. So here's what Moses says in chapter 32, verses 32 through 33. He says, yet now, if thou will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Wow. You know, just a thought real quick here, just to let everybody know that 3,000 men were killed by the children of Levi because of the golden calf worship. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Acts chapter 2, uh... And I say in verse 41, it says, 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow, yeah, yeah, wow. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. That's the early church model. That's it, the early church model. So there you have it. So very, very interesting. Now, did the Lord plague the people because of the golden calf? Absolutely. He did. You know, so I want to encourage all of you that right now, I believe the body of Christ, the church, uh, the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, this movement is in a transition. Uh, another chapter is coming. And, and as God has given you some incredible instructions and, and given you his Torah on your mind and your heart, make sure that you interpret it correctly. Yeah. Uh, avoid foolish controversies, doctrines of demons. Avoid things, you know. Uh, there's a lot of theories out there, a lot of things happening. Stick to the text. You know, we can all have our own little theories and ideas. But just stick to the text. Uh, stick to the literal uh, interpretation of God's word. Because, you know, once again, we, we have a hiccup here, you know, and this is what happens. You know, I've experienced it personally. I've experienced it with church staff or with the church. But, but like I said, you know, we, we stick to the model, you know, and that's the most important thing. Uh, as we get into uh, Exodus chapter 33, uh, I'm going to let Ryan continue on here. But God gives the orders to march. You know, we, we see where we mess up. You know, I love this verse. It reminds me of, though a righteous man falls seven times, he can still arise. He sure can. So I say fall forward. Fail forward, everyone. Is the road that you are on leading to God? Because I'm telling you once, you, once you once you let go and let God, it is off the charts. So what do you think, Ryan? God gives the orders to march in this chapter. He does. He actually starts out saying, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Unto thy seed will I give it. So we watch all the way through Genesis, and if you've listened to those podcasts, you've heard how we talk about the, the promised seed, right? It, it gets passed down, passed down, passed down. Now, here we are. Um, it gets to pass down. Ephraim becomes the firstborn, right? He gets the promise of the multitude of nations. Here's the land. The land is being passed through, um, and right here to Moses and to all the people under Moses' charge, which is the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the Lord told Moses that he will send his angel before the people to drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusites. The Lord also tells Moses um, that his people were a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. Watch it, buddy. <laughs> hey, listen. My neck is a little stiff this oh, morning. Oh, no, that's not good. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, man. And so the Lord wanted the people to take off their ornaments. So I guess the ornaments got them in trouble last time, right? So he says, go ahead and take them off. And Moses took the tabernacle, and he pitched it without the camp. So he pitches it outside of the camp. Um, so they march. They move from one place to another. Obviously, when they do that, have to dismantle the tabernacle, and they take it, and then he, they set it back up. And here in verse uh, chapter 33, verse 10, it says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. So I think this is a moment where things are becoming real. Um, you know, at this point, Moses goes up the mountain. There's clouds and thunderings and lightning and fire and all kinds of stuff on the mountain. Moses is going up and talking to them. But right. now they've moved the camp. And uh, they've now, now the presence of God has actually come and entered into uh, the tabernacle itself. You know, Ryan, the thought is this God gives us revelation, he, he shows us things in his word. 
but we have to overcome ourselves in order to do it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like these people witnessed God, the, the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. They, they witnessed incredible things, but they still had a slave mentality. They did. So even our own personal lives, we say, well, well, why do I continue to do this or why do I struggle with that? It's because it's our, it's our evil inclination. It's our fallen nature. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, I've been really rediscovering this whole 17 works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And we can't blame the devil for being in the flesh, like not having self-control or outburst of anger. This is the flesh. And, and what did Jesus say even before he went to the cross? He says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. So really dying to yourself is such a battle. Yeah. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know. And as I discover this, you know, and I love what, what it says here. It says, the Lord told Moses that he will send his angel before the people. Yeah. So as we get revelation, as we work on ourselves and get the two by four out of our eye, we can get the splinter out of somebody else's. He'll show us. But the bottom line is that as we move forward, Ryan, God, God is really removing those obstacles. We don't yeah. have to wonder how we're going to get there or how are we going to get a visa or how could we have boots on the ground in Israel. It's all right here. Amen. It sure is. And so, um, you know, we mentioned this already uh, before, but oh, there it, is. it says right here, Joshua, <laughs> the son of Nun, um, you know, departed not out of the tabernacle. And so... Uh, how cool is that? You know, one of the things that we can say about Joshua is that we see these little snippets about Joshua all throughout, um, you know, Genesis and Exodus. And then obviously we know the whole book of Joshua uh, comes after Deuteronomy. But what's really cool about this is we see the preparation that Joshua goes through. We see that Joshua was faithful. And so I think, you know, people hear, you hear about overnight success or why was this person picked or why was that person picked? But you know what? People that serve and are faithful, they're the ones that God chooses, ultimately. And Joshua was in Egypt. Right. Joshua was going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. That's right. And who's going to lead him into the promised land? Joshua. Joshua, who's an Ephraimite from the tribe of Ephraim. That's right. God is looking for people coming out of the nations that are not Jewish, that are mature and responsible. Yeah. And that's the changing of the whole leadership thing. So, you know, continue on, because there's, there's some good little nuggets in there. That's right. And so here in, um, in verse uh, 13, it says, Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, chen. show me, yeah, that's right, chen. show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And so the word grace is found four times in this Torah portion. The same word that's used to describe uh, when Noah received, you know, had grace in uh, in the eyes of the Lord. Um, this is uh, this is favor. This is um, you know God's hand uh, upon them, and that's that word chen in Hebrew, which is uh, translated as grace. And so God promises Moses, um, you know, his presence and his rest. In verse fourteen, he says, and he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee. Rest. You know, I love that. You know, like I like I said before. You know, I love coming to the church and being at my house. But you know, he says he he'll give us his presence and his rest. Amen. You know, Jerusalem means peace and shalom. You know, Yerushalayim, and of course Babylon means confusion. So we're seeing a lot of chaos and disorder and and all of that. And so people want to be stimulated all the time. But his presence and his rest is what we really really need. And so as we continue on in Exodus thirty three. Uh, Moses, he wanted God to show him his glory. Amen. He says, man, show me your glory. And the Lord said to Moses, thou canst not see my face. Wow. For there shall no man see me and live. Wow, this, so, is, this yeah, is a so, cross So the thing is, Ryan, when God does appear like he did to Abraham with the angels, right. just like he sat with Moses and the elders and ate with them after the Mosaic covenant was made, that was a theophany. 
Just yeah. like when Jesus appears, you know, as, as the right hand of God, as God himself, as, as 100% God, 100% man. See, it says, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, we know that there are scriptures that talk about uh, in the future, we will see his face and live. But once again, he says, thou canst not see my face. So Moses was able to see God's back parts as he stood in the cleft of the rock. And as he went by and took his hand, you know, and went by, uh, he stood in the cleft of the rock and he saw God's back parts. Right. So, wow, that's an honor. So we got to be careful what we ask for, you know, because yeah, God is holy. He's a spirit, just like the woman at the well. You know, he, she was talking about where the Jews worship and where the Samaritans worship at this point in time. And, and what did Jesus say? Hey, listen, you know, God's looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth, you know, because he knows that all of us are scattered. His children are scattered, but he's, he's calling for us to hear his voice, to keep his covenant. You will be above all the people. It's true. And you know, it's funny because there's a lot of people that, you know, when they start talking about um, the deity of Yeshua and things like that, they talk about, you know, the verse in the New Testament where it says, no man has seen the face of God or no man has seen God and lived. But it's a direct quote from this passage. And what do we know about this passage? Who did Moses see? God, <laughs> right? Even though he saw his backside. And just, what is it, just a few verses prior here, it says that, um, it says here in verse 11, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. That's in verse 11. So who is he speaking to face to face if he can't see his face and live over here, right? And so we know that God manifests himself in, in these different ways, right? That's right. Through his spirit, through his son, and through his, his Shekinah, right? His glory himself. And so, um, and, and anyway, so the point being there that, that things that seem like they may be a contradiction are really not a contradiction, because when you see Yeshua, you see the Father, right? But it's a manifestation of God, a different way of seeing God. Amen? I mean, I mean that's the thing, you know, and, and what Yeshua is supposed to be inside of us. He's supposed to be, yeah. we're supposed to be that image. What, what is a Christian but a little Christ? That's right. You know, uh, and so, you know, Moses made two new tables of stone, and no man, flocks or herds, could come near the mount. You know, and just like, you know, there's medicine in the Bible. Yeah, two tablets, call me in the morning. Moses took two tablets. Yeah, well, and you know, what's interesting here also is that the first time God gives him the tablets, this time he has to go and hew the stone out of the mountain himself, but then he brings them up, and, and God himself with his finger writes the commandments on the tablets. And I'll tell you, th this portion of Scripture here in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, this is actually used for God's uh, attributes. Right, it's the 13 attributes of the God. The 13 attributes of God. He yep. says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Right there. Yeah. Boy, that's, that's incredible. Well, and what's know? cool, again, we're talking about you know, seeming contradictions, right? What, what is happening here is we're seeing that God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant goodness, truth, keeping mercy, right, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But then he says right here, but by no means clear the guilty. And so, you know, when, when people talk about the, the do's and don'ts of Torah, 
And, you know, then, you know, you have this other side that says, oh, no, it's about the heart. The answer is yes, right? It's about the heart and it's about, you know, God's commands and keeping them because God here is gracious and in long suffering and impatient for us who are trying, right, to keep his commandments and do his will. But for those that are turned against him and that, you know, commit the iniquity in his face, you know, snub our nose at him, you know, worship other gods— he does not, by any right. means, clear the guilty. You know, there's something to this third and fourth generation, you know, visiting the iniquity upon them that refuse to change. But God, it's kind of interesting. God wants three generations in the earth. You know, if you think about the prophecy in Joel, it says that, um, you know, in the, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. Well, right. even Peter quotes that in the book of Acts. So there's three generations. So even when you look at Pincus, who's a third generation, whose father was Eliezer, whose father was Aaron, uh, God wants three generations. But if you look here, he visits the iniquity upon the third and fourth generation. So if the third generation wants to go south, right, he doesn't have three generations. No. So that generation is going to corrupt the next generation. So yeah, this sure. is this is very interesting, you know. And of course, you know, it goes on to talk about what did the Lord say would happen if his people made a covenant with the inhabitants of the land? You know, it would be a snare. If, yeah. if you think about these agreements that Israel has made and different things, land for peace, uh, it's a snare. Yeah, for it, sure it is. I mean, they got more rockets coming in from Gaza now than ever before. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and of course the, the terrorism's there to some degree. It's always to be mindful of. But the bottom line is that it would be a snare. You're not supposed to do it. Now, what's the problem here? It's because Israel is a democracy, but it's also a parliament. And through a coalition, you can have a prime minister and rule uh, through the parliament, through a, a, a coalition that has more seats than the other one. Uh, but once again, this is something that we're seeing uh, unfold and happen. And, and in the midst of all of this, God wants to remind everyone that, listen, you're building this tabernacle. You're doing all these things. You messed up with the golden calf. Uh, but it goes on to talk about uh, the three national feast days where all the men should appear, uh, which is, of course, Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles. This is found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 18. And verses 22 and 23. So uh, there are a total of eight feasts, and I've shared this before, and I'll share it again quickly for those of you listening. This actually shows the progressive revelation of God's redemptive plan. So Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, uh, the three national feast days. We would all agree that that uh, the feast of Passover is when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Oh, yeah. Everyone says amen. Uh, we would also agree uh, that this is when Yeshua is our lamb. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? So, so he's our lamb. So uh, he shed his blood for us. And when you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Okay? So we would say that that's one-third of God's redemptive plan has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled, Ryan. Correct? Yeah. We go into Pentecost in Exodus 19 in the third month. We have Pentecost, which is the Feast of Weeks. Seven weeks plus one day puts you at 50 because Passover is connected to Pentecost with the number 50, which is, of course, you know, the Jubilee uh, celebration, you know. 50s of Jubilee, and of course what happens is uh, we have the giving of the Torah, and we can say that that's happened. Also in Acts chapter 2, the gift and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Come on. So we can see that, that that has been, you know, 
that has happened and it is happening. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit every day, receiving the Holy Spirit, and that's how we get saved is through the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it, it, actually to be born again in, in, the, in, the, in the Greek means to be born from above. It's where God's Spirit and your spirit meet. Okay, so that's pretty incredible. So two-thirds of God's redemptive plan, Ryan, has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. Yep. So we're 2,000 years into the final stage of God's redemptive plan, which is the Feast of Ingathering, which is called Sukkot, or Tabernacles. So you know what? Yeshua, before he died, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you. But you would not. He wanted to gather you under his wings. He says, Your house will be left to you desolate. Mm. Now, it's not just this temple. But remember, if we are likened to lively stones, your house is going to be turned upside down and destroyed. So this is what's happening. We're, we're lively stones being put together. We are the, the body and he is the head. So once again, the Feast of Engathering is important that we do gather. Uh, we can't become judgmental or bash the church or, or bash gatherings or, or communities, whether it's a mega church or a small church, because what does it say? There's leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. So Ryan, I'm excited that we are 2,000 years into this in gathering and we are seeing the uh the restoration uh the reconciliation of jews and gentiles Amen. right now so i want you all to be excited you know don't be so judgmental you know it's all about people people will let you down but you know what get over it get over your offenses get over what's holding you back from being with others you know and once again god made 12 tribes you know, and, and I have seven children. They're all uniquely different, different temperaments, oh, yeah. different likes, you know. And so embrace that diversity in that manner, you know, because it's great. Some people are outgoing. Some people aren't, you know, and, 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 and personalities and different things. You know, it's like Baskin Robbins, you know, you don't just have one flavor. I think it's 31 flavors at Baskin Robbins, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yeah. So that's that's a tough road to keep. You got to have 31 flavors. Yeah, one for each so, day. So, Ryan, any thoughts on that? I hope all of you are excited that God wants to gather you. And by the way, that is the rapture. You know, we talk about being caught up together and meeting him in the air. That's I believe it. That's all well and good, but there's a rapture happening right now. God is gathering people. You know, not not vertically, sure, right, but horizontally, He's gathering us, right. Like Bait to Heal, we started in the living room. He absolutely is. You know, Man, that's good stuff, Ryan. It is. Well, and, and the, Gosh, that's good. The feast will change your life. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, when, uh, when you start kind of realizing, you know, what's happening here, when you watch the children of Israel, you watch the sin of the golden calf that happens here. Essentially what happened is the people rose up and said, hey, you know, we... Um, we appreciate all that you said and everything, but um, I think that we're just going to kind of, we're going to worship you, but we're going to worship you in our way. And that's what we do today, right? We come up with these these holidays and stuff to, to worship God, and we claim that, oh, this is what it means to me, and that's all well and good. And it's God's calendar that we're keeping. But here's what God said. God said, hey, I'm throwing a party, and you're invited. Here's your special invitation in my word. Here's the theme of the party. This is the menu, right? So for Passover, right, what's on the menu? <laughs> Matzah bitter herbs, lamb, right? He said, gives you the menu and everything. I mean, the theme of the party, the whole bit. And, and what do we do? We say, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to throw my own party. We're going to do uh, the Easter bunny with some Easter eggs. And uh, we're going to do it on the, the, you know, three weeks after the solstice or however they come up with the date for Easter. And it's just, it's on a different calendar altogether. It's a whole different celebration. And while there may be well-meaning people that are doing this, you know, in a, in a good way, it's essentially the same thing from a leadership standpoint of what Aaron and those people did with the golden calf, right? They said, we're going to make a counterfeit 
and we're going to do this our own way. And so God says it right here in his word, here are the celebrations. It doesn't mean we can't have others, right? We're celebrating Purim. We celebrate Hanukkah, but the feasts of the Lord are vital because God is showing us his redemptive plan right here in these feasts. And the spiritual and the natural, they mirror each other. And when you do these things, that's why he says, keep my commandments and do them. When you do these things, God gives you even more revelation. You know, so many times they say, you know, you'll hear anybody say, right? Oh yeah, obedience to God, be obedient, 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 obedience to God's word, obedience to the spirit, right? All of these things about but obedience. It's an it is an action. And what's important is that when God gives you revelation, if you're obedient in that revelation, guess what he gives you? He gives you more revelation. And when he gives you revelation and you're not obedient to it, what happens? He stops. He stops giving you the revelation. So if you want more, be obedient today to what God has put before you, and God will give you more. Amen? I'll tell you, Ryan, and I don't have the exact dates, but let me just submit this to all of you. If you were to go back in time to when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets, if you were to go back in time, okay, uh, that's incredible. But now we're in today's date. You know, the Supreme Court, they actually... Um, okay, same-sex marriage, yeah. you know? And so once again, uh, if, if, if you would just look at the date of that, and I don't have the exact date. No, but, but it was you, during But what? if you take the Torah portion, yeah. it's when Moses was up on the mountain receiving the tablets. Yeah. It's the summer months. And so what did he do? He comes down and breaks those tablets yeah. because the people had crossed a line. So now our Supreme Court has redefined marriage, you know, uh, against God. Yep. And so I'm just bringing that to light just to show you how relevant it is because what's going to happen is, so Moses goes up to get the tablets. He comes down, breaks them. He goes back up another 40 days. That's what this is saying, right? And, and he had to wear a veil on his face because it's shown, right? Uh, and of course, he was up there 40 days and 40 nights without bread or water. So once again, he's coming back down with these new tablets, which is incredible if you ask me. Now, what's happening here? We're going into the summer months because see, prophetically, Ryan, we're in the feast of Pentecost right now or Shavuot. God's pouring out his spirit and there's all these other spirits, but we have to get through the summer months because the golden calf incident is Tammuz 17. Yep. And then, of course, we talk about the three weeks of affliction, which will lead us to the ninth of Av, the destruction of the temple. So oh. hear me out, everyone. Hear me out on this. Because we haven't even hit spring yet. Yep. It's coming. But but what I'm saying is that the summer months are the most important months. I do believe I do a teaching on that on our YouTube channel, the summer months that you, I think you would really enjoy. So as we conclude, as we finish up here, uh, we have, of course, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Kitisa, when you elevate. Exodus chapter 30, verse 11 through chapter 34 in verse 35. From a consensus of the group, we do this every Monday night. I'm going to throw in mine here. I love this. Many people don't plan to fail, but fail to plan. Mm. So God gives us the pattern. He gives us the calendar. He gives us the instructions. And all we have to do is follow. So once again, many people don't plan to fail, but fail to plan. And we're so close to something incredible, Ryan, in the earth today. Uh, to be that witness. So any last thoughts as you close it out? I do. I do. I have a couple thoughts. You know, the first one was that um, you just like Moses goes and, and sees God, even from the backside, right? And here's these 13 attributes of God. God is declaring his, his, his attributes to him. Um, that because of this interaction, 
when he comes down off the mountain, right, his face is shining. And so if we get close to God, then people will see God in us. They'll see the glory of God, that we will be shining. They'll see it in our countenance, in our face. And, uh, and so I would encourage you that this is about relationship. God wants a relationship. He wants that one-on-one with you. And so you have to spend time at his feet. You have to spend time with him. Um, and when you do, people will notice, right? There will be fruit of that relationship. Amen. Um, my second thing was that, uh, you know, pastor talks about this being a pattern. And when you, when you watch this and you read this, uh, this tour portion, you see the pattern, uh, in it, and then you can extrapolate many different things. And, and as you read it, you know, more things come to you. And, uh, you know, my son last night in our group was talking about how it was physically difficult for Moses to go up and down the mountain. You know, we were in Israel recently, and going up and down the side of a mountain is not always that simple, and uh, it can be tough work. And so he's going up, no food, no water, uh, and up and down. It's 40 days and 40 nights. He's climbing all the way to the top of this mountain. That was a lot of work. Um, And so just as it was spiritually difficult to, to go through these processes, and as we go through processes, um, you know, it's also important to understand that the spiritual and the natural, they mirror each other, right? He's going through this difficult process, but it's also physically difficult. And so sometimes don't be, uh, <coughs> excuse me, don't be surprised at the things that come upon you. Because many times if we look for the, the spiritual significance and use it as an exercise to grow, uh, our relationship with God, then, then we'll see the fruit. So, well, that's it folks, man. What an awesome Awesome tour portion. Kiti saw when you elevate, you know, man, with so much in here, so rich. A um, couple reminders for you guys. Don't forget Thursday evening, uh, we are having uh, doors open at six and uh, the play starts at seven. That's Esther, the musical. It is fantastic. I have seen it. I give it two thumbs up and I highly recommend it to you guys. Uh, also, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Ryan at twopraise.net, Ryan at twopraise.net. I love to hear from you guys. I see the stats. I see you guys are listening, and I just want to thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you for sharing it on your social media. Thank you for for getting the word out of the podcast. Um, we're just so grateful. And uh, and if you guys need anything, like I said, reach out to me. You can also live stream our services uh, on social media or on our website at twopraise.net. God bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>